0: Let's pray for Tim now as he speaks to us this morning. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord, for Tim. We thank you for our community here at Riverside. Lord, we thank you for who Tim is and that you have gifted him with amazing gifts and talents, Lord, that are a blessing to us, Lord, as church. And God, we just pray that you'll be with him this morning as he speaks to us in this last part of this series on dangerous faith. God, we pray that the words that he's prepared to say, Lord God, will be alive, Lord Jesus, that you will speak your living word, that your truth, your here and now word, Lord, to us this morning, Lord Jesus, through what he's prepared. We pray that as he gives out to us, Lord, you'll also give to him, Lord God, fill him afresh with your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Morning, everybody. Now I don't know if you heard the story a few years ago about a Dutchman, an unnamed Dutchman, who went to extraordinary lengths to uh, propose to his girlfriend. Uh, It massively backfired though because this guy was wanting to impress his girlfriend and so what he arranged was for a crane to drop him into her back garden unexpectedly and there he would appear, ta-da, will you marry me, darling? Great plan. And yet, if we have the PowerPoint up, <laughs> he got his calculations slightly wrong on where the tra- crane should be and what it should do. And it came crashing down on the neighbor's house. Reports were that the house was so damaged that there was fear that the whole of the house would need to be demolished. But you'll be pleased to know she said yes. Well, as we come to the end of our Dangerous Faith series, you may be wondering what on earth are you sharing that for? A tenuous link. But I wonder sometimes if as we've been going through this series, we also can get our calculations wrong. That as we've been looking at the first Christians in the book of Acts and the way they lived their lives, the kind of things that they were about, I think it can be easy for us to misjudge them we see their lives, we see the way they endured massive opposition. We feel that they were sort of somehow some sort of superheroes that little old me with my little old life is a million miles away from that and so therefore we read it and we explore bits of the book of Acts and we come away with a feeling of burden and hardship because we misjudge that this is hard work and we feel the burden of it crashing down on our lives my hope today as we come to the end of this series is that through this morning and as we look at Acts chapter 9 the dramatic story of Saul and how he became a follower of Jesus and also the consequences of that, that actually rather than feeling this is is a sort of goal that we can't live up to, that we feel the reality that this is good news, even for you in your life right now with your circumstances. And my hope is that for all of us, we might find a sense of joy rising and a sense of passion coming through our veins as we realize again just how good the good news of Jesus really is and our role in it. Not out of a sense of burden that we've got to endure, we've got to be like superheroes, but actually that little old you in your little old life can get to play your part in this incredible adventure. And so, as we jump into this, it's worth reminding the book of Acts of what it's all about and the shape of the book of Acts. Right at the beginning, we read this well known verse, which, if you like, is a summary for the whole of the book of Acts. Jesus has died. Jesus has come back to life. And as a result, his disciples are kind of wondering what's happening next. And Jesus says, chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth as it were you'll be my witnesses here in Birmingham and then across the whole Midlands region and then way beyond to planet earth the Holy Spirit will fill you and enable you to be my witnesses and the book of Acts is basically divided into those three chapters Jerusalem Judea Samaria the ends of the earth and seeing how God's people just simply were his witnesses speaking of what Jesus had done and so as we get to chapter 6 verse 7 Pentecost has happened, the Holy Spirit's come all sorts of thinking crazy things have been kicking off and we read these words so the word of God spread the number of disciples in where? in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to faith in other words Birmingham was impacted great Jesus' words are coming true And then after this We read of the story of Stephen And how in Jerusalem Whilst the church was growing There was also massive opposition People were being killed For following Jesus And then Stephen gets stoned Not stoned as in Stoned Stoned And then we come to the chapter we're looking at today, Acts chapter 9. And in that we read verse 31. Then the church throughout where? Throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So the church has grown in Jerusalem. And now at the end of this section, it's grown throughout Judea and Samaria. Birmingham's happened, tick. The Midlands has happened, tick. And then beyond here for the rest of the book of Acts, you see it going global as Paul eventually ends up in Rome, which of course in those days signified the ends of the earth. So there's huge church growth. And for us, we are a church, so it's worth us asking, what did this growth look like? We, we want to be a growing church. We want the churches across Birmingham to grow. What does genuine church look church growth look like? And it's worth considering that from the pages of Acts. Because it isn't just numerical growth that we're on about. I love this quote uh, from the author Andy Stanley. If bigger is your goal, just start promising things in Jesus' name. Religious people love that stuff. It's easy to grow a church if it's just about numbers because if you just promise stuff, people will love it we could fill this room 20 times over by saying come along we'll give you 10 pounds notes each loads of people come so we can easily grow a church but of course we want to know what genuine healthy growth looks like that goes on to change the world as the church in Acts did and so I think there's four things from Acts chapter 9 that will help us, uh, four perspectives for our lives. And to help us with this, I want to refer us to this image. This image is, a, is a, an image called Jesus Calling by a Korean artist called Young Sung Kim. And it's in this book. This book is called Daring Devotions. It's produced by Release International, who are an organization that work with Christians who are persecuted for their faith around the world. We've got some of these available at the welcome point on your way out. If you want to grab one, do it for a donation. It's fine. It doesn't matter how much donation you can guess, whatever, that's fine. But grab one of these. These are devotions that help you just on a daily basis to kind of explore what it might mean to live a life that that really endures and all of that. But in here, there's this image. And I love this image, and this will kind of guide us through this passage, because it's a picture of Jesus reaching under the waves, as it were. And so the perspective of the picture is us. We are under the water. We're under the waves. And into that, Jesus reaches in to grab us and pull us out. And my hope is, as we look at these four things, it might be that you might sense Jesus reaching in to you to grab you and to carry you out. It might be for some of us those circumstances that seem so unbearable that we might sense Jesus holding us with his strong arms. For others of us, it's a sense maybe this morning of Jesus grabbing us to say, come with me. And for others, it may be even for the first time that we might sense, wow, there really is a God who is reaching out to me to rescue me wow so four things about the growth in the book of Acts four things that I think are important for us and the first is this the one thing that's really clear as you go through the book of Acts is that the message of Jesus is a message that transforms people's lives you've got this guy Saul who was murdering Christians because they were Christians and then in chapter 9 he's on the road to Damascus to go and wipe out yet more Christians and Jesus himself appears to him and it all kicks off then you've got this guy Ananias who's basically meant to kind of get alongside this newly transformed Saul as a follower of Jesus to kind of say come let me help you and in chapter 9 verse 15 we read these words where God says to Ananias look out for Paul this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. Ananias is uncertain why because he's trying to wipe out Christians verse 17 we read as Ananias speaks to Saul Ananias says, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul thought up until this point that he could see the truth about God but Jesus changed everything and opened his eyes as it were by closing his eyes and then now this transformation for this guy Saul And so we get this moment where then Saul has to try and get into this fledgling community. These Christians who are terrified, because why? Because he wanted to murder them in the past. And we read this, verse 21. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who caused havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? Now the reason for dwelling on that moment is we forget the transformation that really took place in people's lives. Here was somebody who was known across the whole region for wiping out Christians and now he's the one who wants to change the world for Jesus. What a transformation, which I think is a massive encouragement for you and me. The same God is still in the business of reaching out to people, grabbing them from the destructive path they're on and setting them on a different trajectory. There are some people in this room who you know you have people in your world, your partner, family members, colleagues, friends, who you have prayed for some, even for decades, that they would choose a different path. And to be honest, some of us, the prayers have grown tired because we've got nothing left anymore. I think it's a massive encouragement to remember once again, Jesus, the same Jesus, is still in the business of reaching in to grab people, to rescue them. That's why we're doing this 40 days thing. It's so that through this, as one church, we can pray daily for different things that God would reach in and grab people from the destructive path they're on, really save people, rescue them. Maybe for some of us, we might find that faith rising again to pray for those people we've used to pray for. For others of us, it may be an opportunity as we fast, simply to kind of stop from something, to kind of take that moment to say, God, this is for you. And in that, Lord, please reach in and and, and rescue this situation or, or change this situation. It's a massive encouragement. It's the same Jesus who still transforms lives today. He can find anyone at any moment. I remember a few years ago, I was in America uh, doing brilliant number of things, uh, one of which I did some whitewater rafting on a river in, in Colorado. It was amazing, great fun, all that sort of stuff. But there was this moment, if you know whitewater rafting, it kind of gets a bit bumpy and all that. There was this moment where the boat flipped on the side like that and I fell out but my legs were still in the boat, but my body was in the water. You know that kind of moment where you sort of, where am I gonna go, all this sort of stuff. Completely helpless. All I remember with my head underwater and my body underwater gradually tumbling and slipping out, all I remember was this very, very strong arm grabbing my life jacket with all his might and yanking me back in to the boat and to safety. I was helpless, but as a result, I was so thankful for this man who just did all he could to reach me and grab me out. It's the same Jesus today for you and your world, the people you know. He's still in the business of reaching in to grab those people. And it may be that there might be just one or two people even here this morning. You know in your life, actually, he's got his hand on you that you've tried to walk away, you've tried to ignore him, you've tried to kind of distance yourself from him, but you know he's always been there. Maybe this morning it might be simple for us to respond and just say, yes, okay, take me, Lord. Take me, rescue me. So it's a message that transforms. Still today, it's good news. It really is good news. And the difference between Christianity and every other world, every other religious system is that so many of them are us reaching up to God, whether it be through rituals or prayers or duty or service or actions, whereas here the gospel is God reaching down to us. It's good news, friends. It's a message that transforms, still today. But secondly, it's a message, not only does it transform lives, it's a message that challenges lives. You see that so clearly as you read through the book of acts i don't know if you know who this man is anyone know who this man is there was one person in the first service one american who knew this is henry t ford and of course you may know henry t ford for found, uh, founded the ford motor car motor company and of course he's famous for this particular car which is the model t ford famously available in every color as long as it's black But the astonishing thing about this car is that this car was the first mass-produced motor vehicle. Up until then, everyone had horse and cart. They were the kind of en vogue thing, the normal thing. Uh, But here was the first mass-produced one. And he is attributed to saying this famous quote, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. (laughs) What he's saying is that people don't always know what is good for them. You see that with all sorts of new technology. I remember when the iPhone was launched, do you remember it in 2007? You can even go now and look at the articles, people saying it's never gonna take off. That technology's around, it won't be, uh, wasting their money, what a waste of time. It's now the single biggest product, most uh, bought product in all of history, full stop. People don't always know what is best for their lives. I'm not saying the iPhone is best for your life, you hear what I mean. We can have that discussion afterwards if you like. The point is in the book of Acts for the first Christians and throughout history for all Christians and even today with the message that transforms people will oppose that message. Authentic growth is always opposed. Look at verse 23 of chapter 9. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill Saul. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates. Why? In order to kill Saul. His followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. What a transformation of his circumstances. Here was the one who used to go on behalf of the ruling authorities with letters to kind of destroy the church. And now here he is, as it were, over the wall in the dead of night being lowered in fear of his life. How the tables have turned and yet Saul knows he's now on the right path and so therefore is able to endure even this opposition, even in fear of his life because he knows real life is now the path that he's chosen. And I think this is an encouragement and a reminder for all of us if we're Christians. But also for those of us who are kind of on the edge of it, we're not quite sure, we're asking questions about our own life, what's the meaning of life, is there anything to this Jesus? Can I encourage you that if you become a follower of Jesus, he will wreck your life. Your life will never ever be the same again. That sweet safe life that you longed for won't ever happen and yet, the trajectory he will put you on will challenge everything in your life, but actually will lead to true life and life in all its fullness. I remember when I was at university quite a few years ago now, <laughs> being in this—we uh, were one evening in this room uh, where certain things were being passed round the room that weren't strictly legal. Uh, and as everyone having a little puff of these things going around the room that weren't strictly legal, I remember it coming to me and me simply passing it on to my mate next door. And then one of my mates, in a sort of stoned stupor, got really angry with me and sort of started shouting at me, why not, why are you doing this, are you judging us, all this sort of stuff. And then in front of me, another mate, also in a slightly stoned stupor, clearly more calm, then had a right go at this other mate, say, oh, leave him alone. And they had this full-blown argument in front of me about me and my faith, because here was me not wanting to engage in certain things, which one person felt it challenged them and the other one said, leave him alone, it's fine, he's a follower of Jesus, so just let him get on with it. And the truth is, there will be those of us in this room that we know, because we follow Jesus, we may face just a little bit of ridicule, just a little bit of opposition, ongoing running jokes in our family or amongst our mates. Or parents kind of saying, why are you choosing to do that with your money or your time or your life? You're wasting it, aren't you? And we know after a while it can feel burdensome, but it's just a reminder that throughout history, followers of Jesus have faced opposition. To be persecuted literally means to be pursued. The good news of Jesus is that he's the one who pursues us. And so therefore, even if others then pursue us, we know we're safe in the hands of Christ. So it's a message that challenges as well as a message that transforms. Therefore, we can expect it. It's not a big deal when it happens, but we can keep going. It's normal. Jesus went to the cross, so we follow him. That might lead for us to hardship too so that's the second thing the third thing is this not only is it a message that transforms life it's a message that challenges people but also it's a message that takes all sorts it's easy for us to think if you're like me great that's fine if you're a saul type figure who was clearly a player but what about me with my little old life trying to make my way, trying to do work, trying to know what the future holds, trying to just be faithful in my mates and all of that. What about me? I'm no Saul. Well, I love Acts chapter nine because we read of a guy called Barnabas. Let me read to you verse 26 and 27. Not surprisingly, you remember, Saul used to wipe out Christians, so the Christians in Jerusalem are slightly nervous of meeting him. Not surprised. Not surprised and so when he came to Jerusalem he tried to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles now imagine if Barnabas hadn't done that role history would be very different imagine if there wasn't this guy Barnabas simply saying I'll vouch for you Saul let me introduce you to some people Saul would not have got into the church and therefore it might not have gone a different trajectory who knows, life would have been very, very different and the beautiful thing is, I think you can argue that Barnabas has played one of the most strategic and important roles in all of history here. The world was different because he simply said I'll vouch for you, I'll play my part, here we go. And the beautiful thing is in the Bible, Barnabas isn't even his real name. Acts chapter 4, verse 36, he's referred to as Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. In other words, we don't even really know his real name. His real name's Joseph, but we know him by his nickname. And he's not even from Jerusalem. He's from Cyprus. He's an outsider. And so here we've got an outsider known by his nickname playing a pivotal role in history. And I think that is a massive encouragement for you and for me. Whoever you are, whatever gifts or talents or opportunities opportunities you have in your world, whatever burdens or baggage you have, God has something for you. And you are unique and can use you right now where you are. Can I encourage you therefore? The biggest impact you make in your life might be for generations beyond you. So I know there's a lot of people, for example, who help out in our kids groups here at Riverside. You do not know the impact you can have in one young life and just helping them to meet Jesus. I know there's many people here involved in education. You do not know the kindness that someone might see in your life and know that you're a follower of Jesus and years down the line, they may change history. You do not know amongst your friends That kind word, that act of compassion, that word, say, I'm just praying for you. You don't know the impact that may have down through the generations. I love when you look through the Bible and you see the genealogies and the family history of Jesus and David and all that. And I love the fact when you see names that you've never heard of. They're not heroes. They're just there presumably faithfully passing it on to the people in their world. Friends, God has got something for you. Little old you little old me, with our little old lives. Maybe we can get to play a role that we may never see the impact of, like Barnabas. Hugely encouraging. Even things like the PA, we talked about it earlier. You do not know the importance of twiddling a few knobs Whacking a few faders up and down, or clicking a few things so we can see words on the screen. You don't know the impact that one person might hear something or see a word on the screen or get a hand shaken on the welcome door, or whatever it is, that might be the thing that changes their trajectory for all of history and generations below beneath you. What a brilliant opportunity. So the message changes lives, it challenges lives, but it takes all sorts, including you and me that Jesus reaches in and has got something for you in your sphere, a part you can play. And then finally, as I come to a close, it's a message that transforms, a message that challenges, a message that has, takes all sorts, but it's also a message that continues to spread far and wide. What happens as a result of this? Saul comes into this community, facilitated by Barnabas, And so verse 28 of chapter nine, so Saul stayed with them, moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He simply did what Jesus had asked him to do. He simply spoke of what Jesus had done in his life. And friends, what's Jesus done in your life? In my life? Where have you known Jesus reaching in to grab you? and put you on a different path? Where do you know that Jesus might be using you to then extend that hand to those around you to keep on speaking in the name of Jesus? If you're anything like me, you think, I'm not as brave as Saul. I'm not very good with words. I'm just trying to find my way. You don't know my baggage, Tim. You don't know my questions. What I do know is that you have a story. You have your own story. And that's a story in which maybe, just maybe, you might see God at work in your past, or even now today, and you will see in the future. And so being his witnesses is simply telling our story. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Friends, maybe in that process, we might be the one that able then to reach in to grab those around us, to set them on a different trajectory, knowing that this is good news (laughs) for you, yes, and for this city of Birmingham, the Midlands, and beyond. So as we come to a response, we're gonna uh, take communion as we respond. But as I've been reflecting, I've been wondering how we might respond to this. Uh, And at the end of the series, what kind of way might we pray And I wonder if a a thing that many of us need is simply to ask God to remind us and as it were, reawaken awareness of just how good this good news really is. That we might ask God to restore to us the joy of our salvation. Some of us have been following Jesus for years and the passion, the energy has just ebbed a little bit and consumed with life. For others of us, we're beginning to grasp that this really is good news. For all of us, I want to simply say today, might we respond by saying, Jesus, remind us of how good this good news really is for you and for me, that we then might take this out for this rest of the world. So we're gonna pray. I invite you to close your eyes if you find that helpful. And I'm simply gonna pray a short prayer and then I'm going to invite us, if we want to respond to this, to simply stand. And I know, in a sense, kind of all of us could respond by saying yes. But if this is something has particularly resonated with you, something has really landed on you, impacted you this morning, that you that you might say that you know God's been putting his finger on something in a really good way, and you this morning want to take that step to say yes. Would you restore to me the joy of your salvation? Or even for the first time to say yes, Jesus I know you've reached in, take me. After I've prayed I'm gonna invite us to stand and if there's something significant that happened for you, can I invite you to stand? So let me pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that the message of Jesus really is Dazzling, breathtaking news for us and for this world. Holy Spirit, would you reawaken the joy, the passion of just how good this good news really is. For some of us, Lord, would you, for the first time, help us to say yes. for others of us Lord would we once again say yes we know you're reaching out to us grab us Lord take us forward go with us as we share this with this dying world help us Holy Spirit we pray